This is Biz. I'm a stay-at-home mom with a toddler son and a daughter who's a full-blown kid. And I'm Teresa, a part-time working mom with two little boys. This is a show about life after giving life. Don't listen with your kids, because there will be swears. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, let's be adults. Plus, Biz goes on a field trip. Teresa will try to talk about something nice. And we talk to Dr. Dan Siegel, co-author of The Whole Brain Child. Woo! <laughs> Hi. We got a high bar set today. Yeah. How are you? It's going to be so fun. <laughs> oh, fun. <laughs> How are you? I'm fine. Um. <laughs> <laughs> we should have like a thing like, fine is code for, ugh. Yeah. I'm just here. Yeah. Although, you know what? A friend of mine, um, wonderful, wonderful friend of mine who listens to this show, reminded me the other day of Thorns Love a Challenge. Oh, Thorns Love a Challenge. And I was like, thank you so much for reminding me about Thorns Love a Challenge. That was really, <laughs> that was really like a nice affirmation. So That's I'm going right. to go back to Thorns Love a Challenge because it's definitely another one of those weeks. Ah. Um, but I do have to share one nice mother's Day moment oh. that I had that okay. was actually really very nice. Um, okay. So it was Mother's Day, and Jesse's mom was in town, and Jesse and his mom like to go to the flea market. They both have work to do at the flea market, so they go on Sunday morning to the flea market. So my kids slept in. They were gone. Like Jesse yeah. and his mom went out way early, but my kids slept in until seven thirty on Mother's Whoa. Day for me, which was. Really, so nice. Like it was yeah. just so nice. It just happened. I don't yeah. know how it happened, but it did. So that was beautiful. Yeah. That was like a glimpse of loveliness. And and then we just kind of had a mellow morning. And then we made our way over to the park. We got Mother's Day donuts on the way to the park, and we sat at the <laughs> nice. park and ate donuts. And they played. And it was one of the first times where I've really been able to just, like, hang out. And they just played. Like, and they were into playing together. And they were just chasing each other, running around, and having so much fun and being so cute. It was, like, weird. (laughs) It was, like, it was like it was a Mother's Day gift to me. Like Like, a miracle. A a Mother's Day miracle. It really was. Like, they were just having so much fun and being so cute. And they were, like, hugging each other and, like, making each other laugh. And, like, I just had this, I really did have this moment of, like, oh. Like, and I, I, I was careful not to just be, like, Things are getting so much better. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like I really I don't want to do that thing of like, okay, now now we've got it. Now we've right. got things together because like there's still meltdown. Yesterday yeah. was still filled with like tantrums and meltdowns and like lots of crazy things happening. But it was such a good moment. Yeah. And I really enjoyed the moment. And I, I realize I'm like reporting about it now publicly. But like I really enjoyed it for myself in that moment. You I didn't like that I didn't moment. like sit there and like compose a tweet in my mind about it or like try to take a picture about you know what I mean? Like right. I just sat there and was like, I am loving this moment right now. And it was a really good Thing. Good job. Yeah. You just des- you totally deserved that moment. Thank you. Way to recognize it. Thanks. Good job. How are you? I'm good. I went on a field trip with Katie Bell's first grade class on Friday to a very fancy museum that really is not designed for children, but they clearly wanted children to come because mm. they pay for your the school's kids to come. Like it's like a totally oh, funded it's thing. It's covered. Yeah. It's covered. So 
what I just wanted to share was you you go and you uh, get split up into smaller groups of like seven, eight kids. And then you go off with like a docent, like an art docent, like somebody who is there to guide you and talk specifically about certain things that you're going to look at in the museum. And what I discovered like a minute into it was I'm not sure that this art docent knows what kids are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mean, I was just like, it starts off with we're trying to get from like the welcome center uh, to the part of the museum that they want us to go walk through, which is there are many buildings. It's the building farthest from the welcome center and it's pouring down rain. So our group is trying to make it to the museum. And mm-hmm. I think we're doing a pretty good job of keeping up. Mm-hmm. I, we are like, like not far. I'm with the last kid in our group and we're like the distance of a car mm-hmm. from the art docent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we get up to the entrance of where we're about to go in. And she's like, you guys are going to have to really, really work better uh, on keeping up. We have a very tight amount of time to get through the museum. What? Right. She's like so stressed what? out. Yeah. And I was like, I... Oh, my God. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. That... No, it was great. This gets so much better. Okay. So I just wanted to set the tone. Yeah. I wanted to set the tone. Yeah. Uh, now we're about to go in this like really fancy place and you're not supposed to touch anything you're supposed to stay in a straight line and you're not supposed to talk uh you can ask questions but don't ask questions or talk if somebody else is ever talking which is mainly her so we go through the first piece of art that we look at i swear to god it's like this piece of art on either side are like chairs and they're like art chairs they're like special they're they're chairs that are also art so you're not supposed to touch them but like we're in this very small room Mm -hmm. two chairs Mm -hmm. and a group of like six and seven year olds who just want to fucking touch the chair. Right. And that's like all they want to do. Of course. Right. So like, don't touch the, d- d- yeah. don't, that's not a real chair. It's art chair. It's yeah. art chair. Don't yeah. touch the art chair. Yeah. And she's like, yes, don't touch it. Right. So she's like, she's yeah. totally having like a heart attack. Yeah. We get into, we've gone through the tour. Everybody's doing great. No one's talking when they're not supposed to. Everybody's keeping up. We're towards the end. Two kids have to go to the bathroom. My friend who's there with me, uh, with our group, is going to take the two kids. And this, you would have thought... We had asked if we could take a shit on one right. of the art chairs. Right. The woman was like, they can't hold it? And Stacey, my friend Stacey and I were like, yeah, no. No. No, no not everybody gets what to go to want? the bathroom. Do you want them to, like, pee their pants in the middle of your The museum? bathroom's going to come back. So she okay. takes, Stacey takes the chair. Yeah. Again. <laughs> woman, it's like no one's ever left to go to the bathroom yeah. on one of her tours. Yeah. She's visibly upset. Yeah. We're moving into another area, and there's, like, ropes, you know, like, to keep kids away or yeah. keep you away from stepping in. Yeah. You can't even touch the ropes. Right. The ropes are all at the right height for their little fingers. Yeah. So I see what's coming. Right. So I bend down to the kid in the back and yeah. I'm like, hey, just make sure you don't touch the ropes, okay? Yeah. And I look up and she's staring at me and she says, can you not speak while I'm speaking? <gasps> and this is where I started to lose it a little <gasps> bit. I stood up and I said, oh, I'm sorry. You have a very clear rule about not wanting anyone to touch Anything in the museum, including these ropes. So I was instructing yeah. the child to not touch the rope. And she was like, oh, thank you. Oh and I wanted God. to say, the only way that these kids are not going to do all the shit you yeah. don't want them to do is for us to constantly be telling them be not telling to. Them. And I'm yeah. doing it very quietly and very respectfully. Yeah. We get to the museum. We start heading back to the main lobby. And I say, all right, guys, anybody needs to use the bathroom, let me know, and we'll hit the bathroom before we get on the bus. And yeah. she turns around and she says, where are you guys going? And I said, oh, the bus for the school's, you know, up here, 
not far away. Yeah. Well, do you think everybody can just wait till they get back to the school? <gasps> and I said, oh, I, I said, my God. Why? And she yeah. said, well, we've just been given very clear directions that everybody has to be back on the bus by 1.30. I mean, they will shut the bus doors. And we just can't get in trouble for people not being back in time for the buses to depart. And I said, let me tell you what's not going to happen and yeah. what I am never going yeah. to do. Yeah. I'm never going to tell a child they cannot use the bathroom when they have to use the bathroom. Second, let me tell you what is worse than not making it back in time for the bus doors to yeah. shut is having a kid have an accident on the bus and the humiliation and the shame and just the sheer chaos that that will cause. Did you say all yeah, of this I did. stuff to her? I did. And I oh, said, bless you. I said, I appreciate the pressure and the fact that these are instructions that you have been given and I have heard you communicate them clearly to me. I will take full responsibility but I will be taking these children to the bathroom. And she's like, okay. And we keep going. What is a true miracle is as we're going, one of the kids with me. Yeah. The kids are just like running everywhere. And she's like, yeah. stay on this side. Not that there's anybody there for them to run into. Right. The kid, like we're walking back, uh, heading towards the bathroom. And this kid with me says, I have a rash. Right. <laughs> and I said, huh, good fact. And he goes, on my penis. And I was like, Another good yeah. fact. Good okay. to know. Yeah. <laughs> then he proceeds to go. It's like a beat. And it itches. <laughs> and I thought, what I wanted to do is say to this kid, it is some sort of weird music miracle that you have waited until we are literally heading back to the bus to say this. Because if you had said it right. in front of the like main painting, yeah. it, this woman would have died. Yeah. She like, would she have died. Have died. Yeah. It was just like, I just, the whole time I was just like, I cannot believe it was just literally like no one knew what kids were. Right. And it was just Except like... you. You were right. the only person who knew what like, kids were. Let's do a museum at a glass factory. It yeah. was literally like yeah. taking your kids to a glass factory. Right. Anyway, so we all survived it. Amazing. And it was amazing. Uh, and it was, again... Was it amazing, like... Outside of all all that you've told I us, like kids, was it I actually thought, a look, cool museum? No, it's Did a they horrible like... place to take your kid. Okay, but it was great. The kids really like. Again, I thought the kids had done just like amazing. They, they were did like, a good job. Okay. they answered good questions. They were okay. They were above and beyond. Wow, how they behaved at that wow. place. Again, she just didn't know how kids work. Yeah, uh, which I think is an interesting segue into today's show, where we're <laughs> going to try and figure out how adults work. <laughs> <laughs> Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Teresa. Yes. As a child, what did you think being an adult would be like like what was an adult adults know what to do oh you were around some good adults <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. adults just know adults just have they have like some special some like yeah they seemed like like I didn't feel like when I grew up to be an adult I would still be myself I mm. would be something else because be an adults adult. yeah adults are different they know what to do they dress a certain way yeah they can buy you beer. <laughs> <laughs> did you 
Did you think that, like, is there, like, an age in your head that you were like, I'll be an adult when I am, like, is it 18? Mm. Is it, like, in your 20s? I think I is thought 16 30? was pretty 16. old <laughs> when I was a kid. But, yeah, it's you, it depends on when yeah. we're thinking back to. Like, right. as a kid, a 16-year-old seemed like a grown-up to me. Um, yeah. But then, like, as I was a teenager, I guess, yeah, I guess 18 or 20. Because I remember for the longest time, I thought I would definitely have kids by the oh, time yeah. I was 25. Absolutely. Like, and I don't mean I would have my first pregnancy at 25. I mean, like, I would have, a, at 25, I would have, like, a fully established family. Yeah. Like, all those like, parents at the elementary school were all clearly, like, 22. They were all right? in their 20s. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Every mom of a friend yeah. was, like, definitely Well, 20. I mean, to be fair, my mom had me at 23. Sure. So, but, yeah. No, but so, that's still, yeah. like, the age thing. Yeah. I can remember, I guess as, like, a little kid, I do got to be honest, I don't think I thought about adults. They were just, like, these mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. telling me to do stuff. Yeah. But as I got into my teens, I, I really have a vivid memory of watching, like, the movie Roxanne with Steve Martin in it. Mm-hmm. And oh, I love kindergarten, that And Kindergarten Cop. Uh-huh. Right. And both of these movies took place like in sort of like a Seattle, Portland area. Yeah. And I really just envisioned that like, oh, when I'm an adult, I'm going to live in like the Seattle, Portland area, like in like some sort of craftsman house. There's going to be yeah. like lots of, I'm going to have lots of stuff. Yeah. I'm always going to be like cooking like really nice stuff, right. like fish or stuff. Like yeah. I'm going to be like throwing things in steamers, drinking a lot of white wine. Yeah. I'm just going to be like super content, like in these. It, uh, this is what adults have I been. imagined like in beaches because like beaches, I was really yeah. into beaches and like how they were like they were always drinking wine yeah. and like having sex did you ever know <laughs> you're my hero uh, yeah dying and Every dying, dying of cancer or whatever fireball they're gonna yeah. be yeah so that's clearly what's happened mm-hmm Right, like that's and also that's, where we, that's what that's what we, we have are. become. We yeah. have become beaches. Beach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So okay. So now you're becoming an adult. Mm-hmm. I have two sort of questions. Yeah. With this, one, do you remember like a specific moment where you were like, "Oh, I could totally do that. I'm an adult." Like, where you like identified yourself as an adult. Because of this, of something. I mean, was there a moment for you? Because I can definitely say that my moment was being in the grocery store, Mm -hmm. (laughs) living on my own at the grocery store. And I was like, I really want some fruit roll-ups. And I got like all this other stuff. And I was like, oh, wait, I could buy like four boxes of fruit roll-ups. Yeah. And I could go home and eat them all. Yeah. Because I'm an adult. Totally. And I did it. Yeah. (laughs) So good. (laughs) I really was just like. I'm going to eat all the fucking fruit roll-ups I want. So good. No one's going to... I'm the boss of me. Yeah. Yeah, that was like my first... And then shortly thereafter, it was like, huh, maybe I should make better choices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, was there I like, like that. this moment? Oh, mine's, mine are different. Okay. Um, I totally get that thing that you're talking <laughs> about. It's not the best defining moment. Yeah, no, <laughs> but there is that freedom of like, right. this is my money and yeah. my life. I can just buy some cookies or whatever. But um, yeah, because I definitely like, I think a big difference between like my childhood and my adulthood is that I, as a child, I never had any money. Yeah. And as an adult, I started having money sometimes. <laughs> um I think there's definitely like it's incremental, right? right. All along it's incremental. And, and I then think then you're dead. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of my becoming adult things were um having jobs, like having mm. real jobs, and especially 
quitting jobs when I would decide like quitting was really I was really good at like getting hired and doing a good good job at the job but like deciding there's actually something better I could be doing I'm gonna quit this job and I'm gonna go and tell my boss to their face that I'm quitting I quit like that those were very like okay I'm doing like I'm doing it and I think for me a lot of my becoming adult things are like in a way, like standing up for myself yeah. moments. Like um, I studied abroad in Cuba and I went back another time after that. And like in Cuba, um, I got like so much attention all the time walking around like by myself or with my friends. But, you know, I'd be walking around by myself. And because I was obviously not from there and right. I was a woman, um, I just got a l- just men would follow me around and talk to me like the right. whole time. And at first it was really scary. But I got to the point after being there for a really long time that I was actually not scared of it. And mm. I like knew how to handle it. I mean, there were yeah. a couple times where it was like ick. Right. But most of the time I was just like, oh, culturally, I can adjust to this and I'm yeah. fine. I know how to like handle ah, this. Adjusting, yeah. adapting. Yeah. I think that's a big adult thing. Yeah. And yeah. there was like and there was like a time where I actually elbowed a guy in the face. Nice. And um it was like a reflex because he was getting like very physical with right. me. And it was like, what the fuck? And I just hit him in the face. Yeah. And then I was like, oh. I'm fucking awesome. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh, okay. I'm going to go celebrate with some fruit rolls. Yeah, it was great. Like, it was really great. So, yeah, like, I okay. think there's, like, most of my moments All are right. like that. You know what I mean? No, I do. Yeah, I definitely yeah. remember the, like, the jobs, the realization that yeah. like, I'm not getting a full check because it's going to taxes. Like, yeah, mm, making yeah. those decisions. Like, realizing if I don't yeah. write these checks on time or do X, Y, and Z on time, then I will lose my apartment. I will lose my phone. I will, you know, these yeah. responses where you start to realize that you actually have to do uh, these things are much more sobering moment of realizing you're entering the adult world oh yeah you know what I mean and like I feel like that like I feel like I was trained like I almost feel the opposite because I feel like I was kind of trained as a kid about responsibilities and like following through with things and and yes and as you get older you get more and more responsibilities I don't feel like that those moments were as formative for me as an as becoming an an adult as the opposite which was like wait I don't have to do any of this shit. Like that, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Well, that, that opposite. Like I don't. It's, it doesn't matter actually that I'm not following through if this is not what I, I want to do. Well, that you know, leads me like, to the question of: yeah. Was there stuff that you think your parents did that helped equip you to be a good mm-hmm. adult? And I think you're right. I think it's for me. It was teaching me about the responsibility, even yeah. though I failed over and over and over at it, especially mm-hmm. with uh, budgeting money. I just never. I, I just ne- it never connected with me until way later in life. You know what I mean? Like, it was just so, but like, it didn't mean that they weren't trying. I knew the responsibility, you know, being places on time, being mm-hmm. respectful of people's time, mm-hmm. listening, how to do interviews, how to, uh, you know, yeah, I just like work your way. And, and they gave me lots of independence mm-hmm. along with all that being involved. They were very involved, but they also gave me lots of independence. So it wasn't scary. I can remember them dropping me off at the airport when I was like, 16, 17, 18, if I was going on some sort of class trip or I was meeting the plane or whatever, they didn't walk me in. They did. They, they let me figure that process out by myself because we've certainly been to airports before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, but then that gave me those skills. And I can still remember like dating people and being on trips with their families and their families just like, this is how you do it. Or oh, just like yeah. stepping up to grown 
men yeah. or women and like doing it for yeah. them, right? Yeah. Um, and I worked for people mm. who just didn't know how to fix a printer. Like, I mean, not fix it. I mean, like just the papers jammed, guys. Just like right. lift the lid because yeah. people just did stuff for them. All the time. All the time, yeah. Is there anything that you have discovered <laughs> that you're not good at as an adult? Oh, I'm sure there's a ton of but stuff. But is there anything that comes to mind where you're just like, oh, yeah, this is a thing that I will forever That I, like, be. never got good at doing. Yeah, and I'm probably not ever going to Taking care of my cars. Okay, like, that's a good one. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, and I feel so bad, too, because I remember my dad a couple times, like, really putting the effort in like let me I can really you know around the time I was 16 and I was like using the car sometimes like let me really show you what these things are and how they work and blah 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 and I was just like oh god children are the worst I know you look back at it now as a parent and you're like they really tried and I really blew them off totally and like that's such valuable information that like you could (laughs) pay for i mean yeah. the amount of time that a knowledgeable person Saves. is spending their yeah. time showing you how all of these things work on a one-on-one basis like i could take a fucking class right on how you know what i mean and how much it would help save you money time and stress oh, yeah. down the road oh, like, yeah. absolutely yeah. yeah for me it's just i told Stephen when we started dating and we got married i was like i just want because he, he would do stuff like hey do you want to sign up for netflix do you want to sign up for whatever oh, and I'd be yeah. like, i just need you to know i don't return things well, like I don't, oh. I'm not good at like library books. I'm, I'm much better now because it's the kids' library yeah. books. But I'm like, if you, we order a Netflix account, yeah, I'm never going to put it in the Return mail. The I duties. totally get it. I totally so get. It. It's he's like, but you're just sticking it in there. Yeah. I'm like, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> I'm never gonna do it. Uh, it just, it's just gonna sit there forever. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like I. Not a good returner. Mm -hmm. Not a good, like, packaging it up, (laughs) putting it in the mail. All right. Our kids. Here's a question. Will they ever be adults? Yeah. Do you think you can? I guess so so there's two questions. One, are you ever ready for them to be an adult? And do you have an age where you think you'd be like they're an adult when when they're this age? And what kind of adult do you want them to be? Like, do you hope that they'll wind up being... Oh, um, is it possible? Well, I have to, we have to say first, I think there is like a part of parents and Mm. kids that we just like go through such an adjustment period as far as like how to have our relationship together once the kids become adults. Cause like, I know that with my parents, um, there was definitely that like tricky period and it still sometimes comes up like. If I if it's just me with them, yeah. I sometimes just want to be the kid cuz yeah. it's comforting a little bit. But then if my kids are there, that doesn't work cuz right. I need to be in charge, you know? And then it's like then there's like this friction, I guess. Yeah. So like I think it's it's interesting like how our how, when that how, moment happens. Yeah, well, and who we are with different people is just so different. Like, uh, yeah, like my wanna... kids might always be, like, if, if I imagine, I imagine my kids becoming an adult somewhere between, like, 18 and 22. Yeah. Like, that's where I see it happening. But, like, and it gradually, you know, hopefully. Hopefully yeah. it's not, like, some crazy, like, they get orphaned <laughs> at 18 and then now they're an adult. Right. But, like, um, <laughs> you know, but, like. Uh, but then I think there's always going to be that feeling mm. that when they're with me, they're still my kid. They don't well, have to be weird... an adult with me. Yeah, right? there's like... a weird line of like, I want to be really helpful, but you also have to let them fail. Yeah. I can really remember in my early 20s, 
you know, uh, off on some road mm-hmm. that was probably a poor choice down. You know, that my parents were probably just like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> um, but I can remember calling my mom and they, she, we'd already had the conversation. You just can't call us for stuff anymore. Mm. You're just going to have to do it mm-hmm. and figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I remember calling my mom and I said at one point in time, I was like, I'm not calling for anything. Like, I'm not going to ask you for money or groceries mm-hmm. or whatever. But I am calling to say that this is very hard and it is also very hard. I know that I am I am coming to terms with the fact that you are your own person and you're not just my mother. Mm-hmm. And that is also really hard for me to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she said, you're right. That is really hard. That is one of the toughest things that we're going to we're going to do. Wow. Right. Yeah. And I, it was just like really it was like sort of the thing that we discover on the show. It's so comforting sometimes to be like, oh, yeah, that's hard. And that's okay. Yeah. Like, that's just a thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind like, of that moment. to be hard. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, years later, they still help me out. It's not like right. <laughs> ever. But, like, yeah. in that moment, yeah. they had to stop. Mm-hmm. And I had to stop. And we all had to see each other. It was just, like, such a moment. I don't know what was going on specifically, but it called for it. Mm-hmm. We had to see each other differently for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was like, it, again, it was very helpful. You know, sometimes the things that we do to help our kids have to be, like, really painful and horrible for us yeah. to let them do. I feel like before I had kids, and this still holds true, my thing of, like, I really just hope my kids get this one thing. Mm-hmm. And that is... Really, to not be a jerk. I mean, really, mm-hmm. don't be an asshole. I mean, mm-hmm. like, that that has always been, like, so true to me. And especially in relationships, mm-hmm. uh, I can remember watching so many people and myself go through these relationships and these breakups where people become crazy. And, like, I really hope my kids understand one thing, I mean, two things. One, if you no longer want to be in a relationship, end it. Mm-hmm. Do not drag it out mm-hmm. people have a heart it's like quitting not quitting a job not doing yeah. people have a really hard time hurting somebody even when they're being hurt themselves mm-hmm. and then you're like that person I'm like, god yeah. i don't want my kid to be that no. person who like yeah. lets a relationship go on for six months or just tries to make somebody break up with them right just end it yeah and two if somebody's ending a relationship with you mm-hmm. let it end yeah don't be psycho yeah. <laughs> don't be psycho yeah you know i get so many friends i would watch them just like for like years, yeah. still cling to these breakups and yeah. like the venom and like all the stuff. And I'm like, that may literally be ruining your life. Oh, totally. And, and everybody it's not thinks salvageable, you're, yeah. obviously. Everybody like thinks you're done. crazy. Yeah. Right. And then everybody yeah. thinks you're crazy. Yeah. So yeah. like, yeah. don't pick clothes that look bad on you. Yeah. yeah. Pick good clothes. Yeah. <laughs> don't act like a psycho. And don't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so those are the things I'm kind of like hoping in their grand. I feel like those two things. You look letting go, mm-hmm. not being a jerk. I really like that. I feel like that those are just really two great. things that are applicable, not just to relationships, yeah. but just like in general. Yeah. I don't know. It's, that's very like um, accepting the things you cannot change and courage I to guess change so, the yeah. things I can. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it really is. I don't know. I think about what I want my kids to be like as adults. It, there's definitely like kindness and compassion are very important. But I think, um, I don't know, there's something I haven't figured out the answer to that question altogether yet but I think there's something interesting about you know we talk about Mm self-sufficiency a lot like we talk about you know adulthood being like well now you can take care of yourself like that's what being an adult is but like I actually think that's Mm. not really true I mean it is true in a way like um but 
so much I feel like about my adulthood has been about like choosing those people that I can depend on and those people that are my community. And like, I don't think I we're humans and we're social creatures. So I don't think that any of us really want to grow to the point where we don't need others. Like that doesn't make sense. Like I think that realistically as social beings, we want to get to the point where we have something to contribute and we work well with others and are and like are good at finding that community that supports us or finding a partner that is a good team for us. You know, no, I know what you mean. That's so interesting, because when I think of the like you become being an adult means being self-sufficient. I don't think of that meaning I can do everything by myself. Uh I think of it being like, I'm sick. I should go see a doctor. Uh, Mm. I need to pay bills. I need to go get a job and show up and be an adult. I need to, you know, dress appropriately for certain situations. Mm -hmm. I need to, like, I can't, everything can't be somebody's out to get me or you know what I mean like that yeah. childhood thing of well, I'm not gonna wear that suit they want me to wear <laughs> fuck the establishment well then you're probably not gonna have like that's gonna limit you exactly to where you're gonna be sometimes yeah. being an adult means like eh no one's actually like harming your psyche if yeah. you have to go show up on time for like a play or something right yeah. like or yeah. whatever all right so now that we've talked about what we thought being an adult would be like yeah. we've talked a little bit about like how great or not great we are Mm -hmm. and what we hope our children will become Mm -hmm. without us screwing them up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is there anything from that first image of what you thought being an adult would be like, sort of like what we asked people, what did you think being a parent would be like versus what you got? What'd you get as an adult? (sighs) Um, It's so much better in so many ways. Mm. Like I love that I have money now. (laughs) I mean, really, like, I I realize that I'm speaking from, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just saying relatively speaking. Yes. When, when I, to when I had a kid, kid, you know. Versus being a kid where you're like, can I have 25 cents to get candy? Yeah. You now have 25 cents in your pocket to go and get get that candy if you want it. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I think, you know, I have more control. Part of that is having control. But I think the hardest part is like, and the part that I didn't see as a kid that you could never see right. as a kid is just the sort of relentlessness <laughs> and the, the you know, just that it's coming from all directions, Mm -hmm. things that I need to do for one reason or another. Like, and there are, you know, there are those moments where it's, it's less and I can like relax a little bit, but most of the time it feels like it just does not stop coming at me. And there's no, like, Uh, you can't like say to a kid, just wait till you're an adult. No. It's relentless. So there's no. no reason to imagine that's what adulthood is like. No. Unless you imagine all the adults uh, being sort of sad <laughs> and like broken. Right. Like we yes. don't want that. And that's not exactly what it is. Like a lot of times the stuff that I'm doing is giving me energy and is fun. And I'm using my whole self to do these things. And and it's like what we said, you know, a few episodes ago, we're getting really good at this. Right. But that is sort of like the best I can hope for right now. (laughs) Like the best I can hope for is like, I'm going to get 
better at this. Not like, oh, pretty soon I'll get a vacation or like, oh, pretty soon I'll get to relax or, oh, you know, pretty soon right. like my kids won't need me. Like, right. none, of, none of that is really applicable for one reason or another. <laughs> the best I can really hope for right now is I'm just going to keep fucking getting so much better at all this stuff. Maybe maybe that's the best we can do with ourselves and our kids in terms of preparing for adulthood. Yeah, maybe so. Just look at it like this. You're always getting better at that. Yeah. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> hey, Teresa, here's a little something that I don't know. Maybe I or some of our listeners might be able to relate to out in the world. After you have children, maybe you find yourself laughing, coughing, jumping, bending over, sneezing, and a little pee comes out. That's some. Oh, I know. It happens. No one tells you that's going to happen. <laughs> but surprise, you had a kid, and it might happen to you. But actually, there is an amazing new product out there called Icon Underwear. If you guys have not heard of this, this is an actual genius moment. This really is. This is underwear that is, it's really beautiful, really Mm -hmm. soft, nice, comfortable underwear that is designed to help you if you have a little leak problem. Basically, what it does is it can absorb up to five teaspoons of liquid. It's literally like the rest of your underpants, except you're not going to have possibly an embarrassing moment, not that any of us have ever had that moment. I'm only wearing them for a friend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so they're super nice. It's Icon Undies. You go to IconUndies.com, enter the code BADMOTHER, and you will get $5 off your order. IconUndies.com. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time, Teresa. Genius me. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. This is a little bit of a sad genius, but um, (laughs) (laughs) it's still a genius nonetheless. So we were running low on food, uh, lunch food, like towards the end of the week, and we only had left for Simon's sandwich, um the like ends of the bread which he won't eat he just won't eat them oh like yeah, it'll just yeah. come back home in the in the lunch bag and but I realized looking at them that like they're they were kind of thick like a little bit thick uh-huh. so like I just cut the ends off the ends of the bread <laughs> and like made perfectly good extra slices of bread out of them and so i had two more slices of bread so look at you yeah so i made a slice that bread i know (laughs) just so you guys know the like shit-eating grad on Teresa's face about this genius is worth everything in the world to me uh my genius is so we had back to school night last week on thursday at like 5 30 to 7 it was a really awkward time for 
the way my family works in terms of when Ellis goes to sleep uh, and when we have dinner with Katie about blah, 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 dinner was not going to be made easily. I, many months ago, set up an account on papajohns.com and I can pre-order a pizza. And at one o'clock, I ordered dinner to be delivered at 6.30 so that when we came back from that event, boom, pizza would be there. Perfect. I, just using the internet for what it's meant for. Getting shitty pizza right to your door. Good job. <laughs> Hi, ladies. I'm calling with a genius. I am actually not a parent, but I think this is pretty genius anyway. Um, I recently was flying, and it was southwest, and it was open seating, and I hate flying. And I saw a young mom with a baby, and I thought, you know what? I love babies. I'm going to sit next to that lady. So I sat next to her voluntarily. I interacted with her baby. I held her baby while she went to the bathroom, and the baby kept me distracted, and I distracted the baby to help the mom. So just wanted to share, there are people who voluntarily sit next to babies on planes. Apparently, I'm one of them. Thanks. Bye. Good I job. love it so much. It really so genius. It's so nice. Whenever I fly without yeah. my kids, I always find a mom with Same kids here. and sit near her just in case she needs help with something I and I can help. Yeah, as I, I'm like throwing iPads at him and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, I know you're two month old, didn't yeah. want an iPad, but here, take it. What do you need? Do you need a glass of wine? I'll hold it. Yeah, good yeah, job. So awesome. That's so good. Good reminder for everybody. Failures. Fail. 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 You suck. Fail me. So this feels like something that should have happened like a year mm. ago. But anyways, Oscar, two and a half, still not potty trained. <laughs> um, he was wearing yesterday this like kind of baggy like romper jumper that like buttons over the shoulders. Mm -hmm. And other than that, it's just kind of like baggy shorts, I guess, over yeah. his clothes. And I guess his diaper got really heavy with pee. And because there were no like affirmatively holding them up like pants or shorts yeah. like around the diaper it like loosened up enough mm -hmm. that we're at the park walking through the parking lot and it starts to just come off and slide down his leg and there's poop in it <gasps> so he had like pooped and i hadn't noticed and his diaper just fell off down his <laughs> down his pant leg <laughs> down his shorts <laughs> Wow. Yeah. That's great. It was crazy. That is. <laughs> it was so crazy. That is, in fact, crazy. It was. It well, really was. you're horrible. I know. Um, I am not going to go into a lot of explanation uh, just to preserve my marriage. Okay. But my fail is uh -huh. I left Stefan with Ellis mm -hmm. while Ellis was painting. Stefan does not like to do paint oh. with the kids. Oh. And I really only kind of learned this recently, mm -hmm. and I just forgot. Mm -hmm. And that's all I'm going to say. Okay. Because I could say I could go in lots of different directions. Yeah. I'm just going to say I failed by leaving Stefan with Ellis okay. while he was painting. I guess I'll accept Which I that hope will emphasize right. how much Stefan okay. really hates it. Okay. So I, it was not a good Bad party. job. It was... It was ugly. <laughs> I'm calling with a fail. So my child has not stopped whining for I don't even know how long now, maybe 
two and a half months. <laughs> and in my best attempts to try and keep her occupied and not on top of me, I decided that during one of her very rare naps, I was going to make sensory jars. <laughs> and I ordered glitter glue and was glitter gluing things. And pretty much every item in my house is now has glitter glue on it. And then I washed up and decided to go ahead and try being a responsible wife and make dinner. And I prepared the chicken and I put the chicken in the oven and let it bake and pulled it out of the oven and noticed little flecks of red glitter glue on it. So we're ordering pizza tonight. Thanks guys. You brought you brought glitter into that house. We still haven't (laughs) done that. We haven't finished off the trifecta of stickers. Sand, sand and, and glitter. glitter. Have we still not done glitter? We have not done glitter. Oh, I thought we did. Oh, no. Uh, I've had the fail where I left Ellis in the back seat with a brand new yeah. bottle of glitter oh, yeah. that he was able to open. Oh, yeah. But uh, glitter is always a fail. Yeah. It shouldn't and, be in our houses. Yeah. There should so be just... special, like, <laughs> containers for glitter that yeah. we keep outside our houses yeah. with, like, a padlock on them. Yeah. And then never use them. And just never And then use throw them. those things away. <laughs> you have failed by even allowing <laughs> glitter into your house. You of are, course it's on your chicken. Of course. <laughs> of course. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you. I love you. When I have a problem I call you on the phone. I Teresa. Yes. Let's call a parent. Great. This week, we are calling Dr. Dan Siegel, who is an internationally acclaimed author, award-winning educator, and child psychiatrist. He's currently a clinical professor of psychiatry at the UCLA School of Medicine, where he also serves as co-investigator at the Center for Culture, Brain, and Development, uh, and co-director of the Mindful Awareness Research Center. His books include Mindsight, The Developing Mind, The Mindful Brain, The Mindful Therapist, Parenting from the Inside Out, and No Drama Discipline, and The Whole Brain Child, which is the book we're actually going to talk about today with him. Welcome, Dr. Siegel. Thank you, Biz. Hi, Teresa. How are you guys? We are here. (laughs) (laughs) We have very little children, so our bar is set at the level of we are here. And you are there. Okay, great. We're well, awake. I am here, so we are here together. Uh, we're going to start off with something we ask all our guests, which is, who lives in your house? Who lives in our house? Well, the question of who is a fascinating question of who are we anyway. And when you have little kids, you always question that. So the surface answer is, my wife lives there, who's the mother of our two children. I live there. Uh, our one of our pre- previously two dogs, the one just passed away, oh, lived sorry. there, and so really it's the three of us. The fish tank leaked long ago when my son was about sixteen, <laughs> so the fish tank is gone. So the fish are gone. He's now twenty-six. Our daughter's twenty-two. She's about to graduate college, so the house will be very full pretty soon after the graduation. But for now, <laughs> it's just the three of us: our dog Charlie, Caroline, and myself. Well, let's get into uh, the brain of a child, which I'm hoping you can give us great insight to, because through my own embarrassing experience with my kids, turns out they don't process the world like I, a 42-year-old woman with all my years of experience, do. (laughs) I've Uh, never heard of something like that. It's so weird. Uh, And then when I hit a wall with them and I feel like I'm totally lost, it has been helpful in the past when someone says, well, they're doing that. 
because of this. So I was hoping you could just take a moment and sort of explain, I mean, a moment to explain the brain of a child, but uh, the whole brain child and this idea of integration, uh, which so much of of your work is based on, uh, give us, help us. Absolutely. Well, the first thing to say is that parenting is probably the hardest job on the planet. So we need to take a deep breath. And if you are a parent, you know, put uh, some arms around yourself and say, you know, this is hard work. And if you know a parent and you're not one yourself, you can support them in whatever way you can. So we all come in through the parenting portal to enter the world. And so we're in the care of parents and others as well. And so the first thing to say is we need to learn to be kind to ourselves because whatever expectations we have, whatever experiences we've had in the past, you know, this is hard, hard, hard work. So that's the first step to think about Biz and Teresa. And the thing about it that's interesting is if you add the twist of the brain of the child is going to be growing in a huge way (laughs) in the first days and weeks and months and years and even into the late 20s of your child's life, then you have even more kindness toward yourself because this brain, which, yes, will be shaped by what happens with you, is not the same as your brain. That's so weird. Why is that not? Why can't I make everything in parenting just be exactly like I want it to be and predictive? Exactly. (laughs) So if you wanted to predict it because it says, well, I would do it this way, and why are you doing it that way? So that's why I think for me as a a physician, you know, trained in, in neuroscience and then working in the field of attachment, which is how children attach to us to, so that they grow well. You know, those areas of study, it turns out for parents, are, are very helpful. And when I became a parent, it was really useful for me to turn to the, the brain science and the attachment science to say, you know, how does the brain of a child differ from our brain as an adult? And then how do attachment studies inform us about how our relationships with our kids can actually help grow their brains in a way that's going to be most helpful for them. So every parenting book I've written or co-written, you know, have been um, with this in mind, you know, how do you do this from the inside out? How do you take kind of kindness and self-understanding for your own experience? How do you combine that with, and that I did in Parenting from the Inside Out with Mary Hartzell, how do you take that with some issues about the brain, and with Tina Bryson, we wrote uh, Whole Brain, Child, and No Drama Discipline. And then looking into adolescence, I wrote a book called Brainstorm, mm-hmm. where you, in whatever age or situation you're confronted, knowing about the brain of yourself and of your child is actually really, really helpful. So what is going on in their brain? Okay. And so the how first much thing, can I mess it up? Yeah. Well, the first <laughs> thing to say is there's a lot going on in the brain, And the way we communicate with our kids helps shape how that brain will grow. So genes that our children are born with will determine a lot of how the brain grows. So the good news is the brain produces a lot of extra connections and there's a lot of wiggle room for us to, you know, aim in a certain direction and when we don't get it quite right to make repair to those kind of ruptures and what we tried to do. So there's a lot of room for improvement, and our child has a lot of potentiality, potential, a lot of possibility to grow well. So that's the good news, that genes set up 
uh, a large amount of what's going to happen. But the way we can influence our kids after we've given them the genes they have um, (laughs) is actually by how we communicate with them. And the way you connect with your child, which means, I remember this word, part, P-A-R-T, the way you come to parenting with the first aspect of part is P, presence, which means you may have lots of expectations, Biz, about how you think your (laughs) child should be, Uh but presence means letting go of that and trying to just be there, try to just be open to what's actually going on with your child. And here's the crucial thing with the A of part is you're going to attune to the internal experience of your child, not just their externally visible behavior, but what you actually can tune in. So the word is attunement. So we have presence and now attunement to what's going on inside of your child, their feelings, their thoughts. And it may not be that easy to figure out, but at least if you start trying, then you get the next aspect of part, which is R, which is resonating. You may feel distress. You may feel sad. You may feel lonely. You may feel all sorts of things. You don't know where they're coming from, but they actually are coming from this connection you're establishing through presence and attunement that allows you to resonate. And so resonance is important because you're not going to become your child, as some parents do, and that's not so good. And you're not going to stay totally separated, which is too much distance. You get close enough so you resonate with them like two guitar strings communicating with each other. They don't become each other. They just influence each other. In that resonance, what's developed from your child is the fourth part of part. Fourth aspect is trust. And so over the weeks and months and years that unfold, if you play this part with your child, presence, attunement, resonance, and develop trust, what's beautiful, I can tell you because our kids in their 20s, it is like the most magnificent thing to see that this part we play is adjusted, of course, for the age of the child. But if you would have heard our 26-year-old you know, give a, a devotion speech to his mom, at, <laughs> there were a bunch of moms there, it would just, it, everyone was like in tears. And it's just so beautiful because you want to have this presence, attunement, resonance, and trust that's going to last a lifetime. So, okay, that... That sounds like something I can remember easily, but I, hope so. I thank you. Uh, but I, I mean, let's just say you come upon me in the middle of Target, and I'm having a massive breakdown. My mm-hmm. two-year-old and my six-year-old are teetering on the edge, right? As uh, maybe you've been to a Target before, you might have come across yes. something like this. How do we then take this idea of of part? And and start applying it in like in a real life situation, which is always helpful to me. How okay, do- now this is going to sound like goofy, eh. but but <laughs> here here we go. Here here's the idea. You as a parent, and in case we forget, we actually are the older ones. That's for <laughs> sure. That's just by definition, right? Sure. We're we want to be the wiser ones, hmm. and we want to be the kinder ones. So. In the target, when something's happening, the, the, the question really isn't, what do I do in target? The question <laughs> is, what do I do before I ever got to target? Mm. Right? Right. So, you know, people often ask me, you know, there's this horrible thing going on. This, this is exploding. We're flipping our lids. We're flying off the handle. Sure, those things happen. They happen to most of us. I did meet one person where it didn't happen to him, but he had his own issues. <laughs> so, so it's a human thing to do that. So what you want to do is... Before you go to Target, you want to work on developing 
your capacity, and I'm, I don't <laughs> want to harp on this presence thing, that presence where you're, instead of being reactive and you go into fight mode and flee right. mode and freeze mode, you, you actually want to develop this more spaciousness of your mind. So literally, if you go to my website, drdansiegel.com, there are practices. So before you get to Target, you as a parent work, it doesn't take that much time, you work to develop kind of a more open mind, if you will, so that when you start becoming reactive, let's say in Target, Mm -hmm. you turn to this resource that you developed before you ever went to Target, and now you use it to stay in a an open, responsive, receptive state. Because here's what happens. Your kid says, I want this from the shelf. And you go, you can't have that from the shelf. <laughs> and they go, no, but I want it, I want it. They start dragging it down. Now, you have are you no been longer to Target with present. me? <laughs> What's that? Have you been to Target with me? <laughs> <laughs> it happens to all of us. You know, I even write about this in my books. And when I would show my kids the passages when they're old enough to read, you know, and I said, I want to make sure this is accurate. And they, they go, well, it's accurate, but what's wrong with you? You, you? Why would you write that you're such a jerk, you know? And I said, well, because every parent should know, even if you write parenting books, this happens to you. Yeah. You know, so here's the secret. You have the capacity to actually switch from being reactive to being receptive. And the only person that's going to do that is you. Oh, that's such hard work, Dr. Siegel. Why Sorry. do we constantly have to learn that this is actually us? Guess what? When you, when you learn it, it's good for you. I know. I can tell you all the ways it's good for you, but also you're going to be a role model for your kid because usually what happens, the target story, of course, you know the end of the story. You react, your kid reacts, you react, your kid reacts, and it becomes out of control, right? Absolutely. So you are teaching your kid you have no idea what to do. Right. Um, Basically. And so they don't have any idea what to do. So you're basically teaching them, hey, I can have really intense emotions and, you know, like fear and anger and frustration, but I stay receptive rather than flying off the handle. You can have all sorts of desires, like I really want to have three pieces of cake right now, but I have one bite of a piece of cake, you know, or we wait till dinner is done before we eat the cake. Whatever, however you want to approach it, you're teaching what's called self-regulation. Mm. And parents these days are very challenged with self-regulation, probably for a lot of reasons. I mean, most of us in modern society are really, really stressed. So the more stress we have and the more we interpret that stress as bad for us, actually, the more of a negative effect it has on us and the less patience we have, the less capacity we have to stay present so we go reactive instead of receptive. So, so this is not just parents, but it's the whole world. I mean, even if you think about, like, connection. I don't know. I was just walking here to, to the Institute this morning. I mean, I must have seen about 20 people walking by on the street. And 19 of them were on a smartphone. Mm-hmm. No one was looking at anybody else. Everybody's busy alone, 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 alone. All the studies show, even though we think we're more connected, we're actually more isolated. And the more isolated we get, the more stress we feel. So we have this vicious loop where we're all, think about it, 15 years ago, we didn't have these smartphones. And if you just look at the rise of stress in all that time, 
So what's happening is people are more isolated from each other. They're stopping the capacity to have conversations with other people. They feel isolated. And then when they interact with other people, they've got like no patience. So you say, <laughs> my child should have a brain like mine. Well, no, your child shouldn't have a brain oh, like please, yours. Please, please. But, but we're so isolated, <laughs> we begin to feel those, that kind of thing. Another question is, yep. as we, funny enough, Teresa and I spent the first half of the show talking about being an adult, right? Like, what did we think being an adult would be like when we were kids? When do we think our parents treated us like an adult or do they ever? Uh, and when will we just see our kids as an adult? Like, is that something that's like humanly possible for us to do? And it's so funny. I, one of the questions I was thinking about for you, especially uh, in the book, The Whole Brain Child, you talk about you know, all these different techniques, you know, engage, don't enrage, uh, connect, you know, these sorts of things that uh, sort of apply to uh, from you, you break it down to like these are for two to three year olds, six to eight year olds, all this stuff. I'm wondering if are we ever able to stop doing this process with our kids uh, or should we ever stop or or is this something that like you know 30 years from now you know am I going to be like trying to engage not enrage when I come upon my son's date going through my dresser you know at some weird awkward Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner or something I mean, am I always will I ever is this something that I'm doing that I've trained that I'm training myself to do with my child and I see them as my child as I do this as a way to to help them develop um is that is it harmful or is it good if I will I ever be able to see them as their own functioning adults or or will this stay with me forever and is that a good thing right well listen the reason um Tina Bryce and I wrote all the detailed steps and we we laid it out by age is just as you're pointing out, you know, the age of your child really does make a difference mm -hmm. in understanding what's going on in their brain, which we do in the book, and you can't do just on a brief conversation on the phone. So in the book, we, we outline exactly yeah. what you're saying, like how is the brain different, how do you engage and not enrage through all these different stages and ages and stuff like that. So, you know, we spent a long time making sure that the science was really as accessible as possible and practically useful for um, the parent who reads the book. In this conversation, what I'm trying to emphasize, and, and I'm going to get to your question in just a moment, sure. is that just as you're saying, can we ever, you know, find a way to relate to these little kids or uh, will they ever be adults and have we ever been treated as an adult? So this is the really exciting thing. <laughs> if you take the lessons in Whole Brain Child that Tina and I talk about and No Drama Discipline, it gives you kind of steps of understanding your child's brain as the brain develops. If you then look at brainstorm, if you have a child who's now, you know, between 11 and 12 and then upward to around 25, 26, 27, you will understand through the lens of the brain how your parenting needs to be adjusted based on what's going on in the brain of your offspring. Let's just use that word instead of child. So now your adolescent is growing and growing and growing. And what happens is through these changes in their brain, your relationship will change. And so in, with Mary Hartzell, when I wrote Parenting from the Inside Out, it started with the research finding, which is so profound, which is the best predictor of how your child will do in life, and this is a startling finding, is how you've made sense of what happened to you when you were a kid. Mm. So this is called the child's attachment, and it's most robustly, strongly, most powerfully predicted by 
whether you've taken the time to ask the kind of questions that the two of you are asking, like, what happened to me and my childhood? What, what's happening now? How am I being treated? And then amazingly, it isn't what actually happened to us, but it's how we've made sense of what happened to us. And so the, the take-home message is simply this. People who have had really, really difficult childhoods, who've taken the time to make sense of their life, and it's called you know, creating a coherent narrative that is a story mm. that looks deeply at the sensations, the images, the memories, the, the feelings, the beliefs, all these things that we learn as kids, but they don't have to be fate. You can actually go back and make sense of things that may have been terrifying or may have been isolating, all sorts of different things that happened to us. And in the Mindsight book, for example, I, I, I show you detailed cases of how, whether they're my friends or people I work with, you know, you can look inside and make sense. This is the parenting from the inside out idea. So here's the take-home message in terms of your question. Absolutely, I can tell you from experience from my wife and myself that our 22-year-old and our 26-year-old, maybe the 22-year-old is still in adolescence, maybe the 26-year-old is coming out, but there's certainly older adolescents, if not adults, and what you see in the changes is you see this movement toward more autonomy. You see this kind of reconfiguration of closeness. And then the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing is it unfolds into this way, if you've kept the lines of communication open and respect and trust, where you now have an adult in your life that you can communicate with. You don't have to control them. You don't have to you know, give them your opinion. You can respond to their questions and give them your thoughts. But it's not like you're, you're in a position where you have to, oh, make sure you do all the right parenting moves. So what I'd like to say, because it's, it's so emotional, you know, is when you're, when you're at home with young children, you know, the days are really long. <laughs> but when you finally see your older adolescent, you realize the years are really short. And it gives you a kind of perspective to be deeply grateful for the honor of raising kids. And is it hard? Of course. As I said, it's the hardest thing in the world. But when you learn these basic tools, it actually becomes something you can do that's not only effective, but it leads to not only their growth, but your own growth as well. Well, what I, what I really like about some of the stuff you were just talking about is that it sounds like the best way that we can become connected with these steps and connected with our children and become better parents is to take the time to provide ourselves with some self-care and self-reflection and creating this stronger narrative for ourselves that a lot of times kids come along and we dismiss. We don't have time to take care of ourselves. We don't have time to deal with past issues. We don't have time to deal with how our childhood may be affecting our kids other than the sheer panic of I don't want to do this to my kids that my parents did or I'll, or I'll never be as perfect as my parents were. And, and I think we dismiss the self-care. And I really like the idea that the more emphasis we can put on, you will achieve all these things you want to do as a parent if you give yourself and your partner the time to to deal with these issues and these questions. The, the long-term outcome is so much better. And I, I just, I really appreciate hearing that. Because I, I, again, I think we dismiss it. It's, 
so important. And, you know, we sometimes we feel guilty taking the time to take care of ourselves. But here's the important thing to talk about, about that guilt that can keep us from doing what we need to do. You know, it's a win-win, even win situation. What The first win is that it's actually better for your kid. <laughs> it right. really is. You taking the time to take care of yourself is better for your kid. It's actually better for you. All the research shows when you develop a coherent understanding of yourself, your physiology is better in so many ways, and it's better for everyone around you, <laughs> you know, right. and those are the studies of how connected we are. So it, it, it's, it, it's really a matter of letting go of the guilt and realizing, you know, this is something you can do. When you, when you look at the pages of Parenting from the Inside Out, by the way, what Mary Hartzell and I wanted to do is make it like one big hug <laughs> because it's hard work to go back to your memories of your childhood and make sense of it. So we outlined the book so that you could just go through it step by step. And then once you do that, of course, you're ready for the steps that Tina and I put in whole brain child and in no drama discipline. You're, you're ready to actually do those because you've developed the kind of presence that making sense of your life gives you. And then when adolescence comes, my God, I mean, the thing that was challenging about writing the brainstorm book for me was, you know, I had to get in touch with what my own adolescence was, but I wrote the book for both adults and adolescents to read mm. because at that time, you know, we start making sense of our lives. And I thought it would be really important for the adolescents to have some kind of book that step-by-step step would help them develop their own kind of presence, attunement, resonance, so they could have trust in their lives. And remind them that, you know, if you're on your smartphones all the time, you're actually developing the part of the brain that keeps you isolated rather than connected to other people and even to yourself. Well, I, it, it really is invaluable, and we'll make sure everybody gets the ebook download. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And they're all on their phone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We will link everybody up to your website uh, where you can find all the books. You can find these worksheets. And what's really nice about the whole brain child is you literally have rip this out and stick it on your fridge. <laughs> like oh, easy nice. reminders, which we have discovered time and time again on the show. Sometimes uh, you just need a visual cue when you're in the moment to remember your to reset yourself. So thank you so much. Thanks, uh, Biz. Thanks, Teresa. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. have to do the work. <laughs> you know it. what, though? Yeah. Okay, how cool is it that, like, all this bullshit that we've been spewing for the past few years <laughs> about, like, taking time for yourself yeah. and taking care of yourself is, like, there's actual science behind that, that that is actually better right. for us and for our kids. I, I, I love that. I, yeah, it, but it really is. I think like the more we talk about it, the more we can give ourselves permission to do this. Yeah. I mean, this is everything from... You it's know, not even giving ourselves permission. Yeah. It should be a requirement. Just do that. We need to be doing this stuff. That's right. That's this right. This is part of the work of it. I, I think it really sets us up for, as a personal who's who has spent many years in therapy, <laughs> I can say it has helped during a lot of conflicts, especially during these first six years with mm -hmm. little kids in the house and how I communicate with Stefan and how I communicate with myself. Mm -hmm. uh, so, it, yeah, I really liked it. And the book really does, all of his books, 
Um, but starting with the whole brain child was really helpful for me just as a sense to get grounded in what's going on in their brain. And it really is broken down over a number of ages. So, you know, you don't have to read this you didn't miss anything if your kid's not a toddler anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. You still can get insight uh, going going forward. So, again, we'll link everybody up. You know what else we have proven time and time again on the show is helpful and we all deserve? And that is to hear a mom have a breakdown and for her, that mom, to have that breakdown. <laughs> so I'm having a breakdown and this sucks. Because I got, I'm a single mom, and I needed to get the oil changed in my car, so I didn't have any time. So I, I found a babysitter, and I scheduled it online, and I was like, "Oh, awesome! This, this will work great." Because then, in between swimming lessons and this little brief bit of time just for me, I could get my oil changed, and I could sit by my by myself while my stupid car gets worked on, and then I can go back to the kids and I just have this time. So I get there, and their system was wrong, so they already filled up my spot to get my oil changed. So they're like, oh, well, you'll have to wait an hour and a half at least. Well, you'll just wait right over there, and we'll work it. I'm like, I don't have an hour and a half, and I don't know when I'm going to get back in to get my car worked on, and I just need an oil change. <laughs> but... I just don't know when. I'm so mad. It's a stupid oil change. My car is fine, but it just sucks. Bye. It does suck. It totally sucks. It sucks super hardcore. Yeah. It is incredibly upsetting. Yep. It is. There. It is infuriating when you you have so little time. To get things done. And here's the thing. You don't want to take your kid. Mm-mm. You know, like, that's not an answer. Take your kid. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. about all the times people say, well, take your kid to go do that thing. Yeah. You're like, whatever. Just do it. Yeah. It, it, you don't want to. Yeah. It's a total pay. Maybe you have that kid who's going to break everything. My kid, I'm never taking my kid to an oil change because my children will ruin that oil change place. <laughs> they will destroy it. Okay? That is just who my children are. It is too stressful. To do it, okay? It doesn't matter. Even if my children were perfect, I don't want to fucking take them to go get my oil changed. And I so hear the like, this is my, I'll go, I'll go get the oil changed and I'll have some time to just be by myself. Mm -hmm. That's what we do. We have to like incorporate Mm -hmm. personal self-care time with a, I'll go sit five minutes at the grocery store in the parking lot and check my email or call my parents or like what we cram it in and then to go and be like, hey, you just wasted all that money on your babysitter because yep. now we can't change your thing. Uh, you're not going to get the time you thought. This is everything's we just we just basically shat all over whatever you wanted to do today. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Here's your check. It is the worst. It really, really sucks. I'm so sorry. You are doing a great job and everything you are feeling is 100% valid. It really is. You rock. You will get that oil changed one day. Yeah, it'll happen. It will happen. Your car will be okay. And yeah. You'll, you'll do it. You will do it. Hang in there. Yeah. You really are doing You're a doing good job. You're doing such a good job. You're doing such a good job, man. You are. Teresa, what did we learn today? I, we have, well, I don't know. <laughs> we have, I'm not sure. As as we get further into the show, I'm not sure what we're learning a lot of. Uh, but 
except that it's helpful to come in and vent about things. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, we have learned that I'm not drinking as much Chardonnay as my 12-year-old self thought I would be drinking yeah. and listening to classical music in my sweeping palatial craftsman-style house in mm-hmm. Seattle. I don't even like fish, so I'm not making all that fish. Don't worry, guys. I'm drinking red wine. Uh, but uh, sometimes our image of what adulthood is not what it actually turns out to be. Yep. <laughs> So kids, be nicer to adults, all you kids listening to One Bad Mother. We also learned that, you know, like everything, maybe being an adult, the best we can do is not be a jerk. Yeah. Uh, Be nice to people. Show up on time. Do our best. Do our best. In general. Sometimes our best bar has to be reset and established. But you're an adult. and You can set it wherever you want. Yeah. You can eat all the fruit roll-ups that you want. Uh, We have also learned that... Some good news that taking care of ourselves will, in turn, take care of our children and help them become a better adult. Yep. That's good. Good news. This is great. This is great. This is great for all of us. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) Our kids' brains aren't our brains. We've learned this many times. We've got to be more patient (laughs) and more appreciative of the fact that our children's brains are literally exploding in a million different ways. Mm becoming kids and know they may not actually be able to control themselves from like throwing their food on the floor or (laughs) freaking out at Target when they don't get what they want or just doing all those things that kids are technically supposed to be doing that once they do them will help them get better at it. Yeah. Right? Right. They're getting better at this every time, too. We should, yeah, they we should are. acknowledge that. They totally are. They're getting really good at this. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Good job, kids. Good job, kids. We've got two meetups to talk about today. Very exciting. Talking about self-care. The Long Island One Bad Mothers will be having a meetup on Sunday, May 15th. That's this coming weekend at 10 a.m. in Spino Park in East Meadow. Robin and Sarah will be over by the picnic tables in the playground area with balloons and wearing One Bad Mother t-shirts. Very exciting. Uh, Houston is also having a One Bad Mother meetup. It's a happy hour, Saturday, June 25th at 6 p.m. at the original Nymphas on Navigation. Uh, That address is 2704 Navigation Boulevard in Houston. This is designed as a kid-free happy hour, but we totally get it. The child care is hard to line up, so (laughs) no one's going to be weird if you bring their baby, if you bring your baby. (laughs) So good job. Uh, You can find out more about it in the Houston One Bad Mother private group on Facebook, uh, which is great. So good job. Meeting up, as yeah, always. meetups are great. If you have a meetup you want to do, you can just email us at onebadmother at maximumfun.org. Uh, you can also send show ideas there. You could join us on our private and public Facebook group. You can follow us on Twitter at onebadmothers with an S or at Teresa Thorne or at Biz Ellis. You can share a personal or commercial message on the show. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. You can get a weekly affirmation from us in your email box. Just go to MaximumFun.org, click on One Bad Mother, and in every single episode, there is a link to sign up for our email list and get a weekly affirmation from us. Uh, You can also review us on iTunes. That would be so helpful if you would go over to iTunes and write a little review for us. That would be amazing. Tell a friend about the show. Sure. These are all things you can do, and it's awesome. Yeah. 
You're doing a good job doing those things. Yeah, you guys are great. Thank you. Everybody, you are doing an amazing job. This is really hard. (laughs) I mean, being an adult is hard. Being reasonable and patient with your children is hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Respecting that they are their own people and that their brains are developing, uh, that's really hard. Uh, Just going out and remembering to, like, I don't know, not be a jerk, that's really hard sometimes. Super hard. Right? Yeah. You're all really doing a great job. You guys are. Good job, you guys. Good job. You're getting really good at this. Yeah. Teresa? Yes. You are doing a great job. Thank you, Biz. So are you. Thank you. We will talk to you guys next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. We'd like to thank Max Fun, Lindsay Pavlis, our engineer, our husbands, Stefan Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Do you have a genius or fail moment you'd like to share on the show? Then leave us a message at 206-350-9485. Full-on rage-induced rants are also welcome. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.